Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I'm Peter Rosenberger, so glad that you're with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Have you got all your Christmas shopping done, all the meals planned, all the decorations up? <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. Does it stress you out a little bit to deal with Christmas? It can. I mean, it's done it for me over the years, but but... I've been working on that so that I'm not pushing myself quite as hard as I used to to make sure we have it all perfect. The gift is perfect. That's the whole point of Christmas. And so that's kind of the mentality I'm trying to do as I get caught up in the hustle and bustle of of this time of year. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. But I, I look at things a little bit differently now. I think maybe my journey with Gracie and all these years of, of hospitals and everything else we've done, and maybe that's all shaped the way I look at stuff. But I want to I want to paint a picture for you. First off, do you like Christmas decorations? We uh, used to, when we were kids, we would go out and drive around the neighborhood. I mean, this is back when I was little. Mom and Dad would take us all out in the station wagon. We'd go out and see Christmas decorations. And then my four brothers, I, my, my little sister was just a baby at the time, but we'd always count how many we could see of the decorations. It was kind of fun just to go out and look at it. I don't know if everybody else did that, but we did it, and it was fun, and, and we had a good time. We loved decorating the house, and I still have a Christmas stocking that I made when I was just a kid. I've kept for all these years, and all these trappings of Christmas, and when they come out, it creates a sense of excitement, of festivity, nostalgia, feelings, all kinds of remembering things people in your lives maybe that are not here or Christmas has gone past. I mean, there's all kinds of feelings that come out at Christmas and then it seems like it's over too soon. Out here where we live in Montana, God does a better job of decorating for Christmas than I ever could. I mean, it looks like a winter wonderland out here and we, we live in kind of a Courier and Ives picture uh, because the, the, the mountains are covered with snow and you, I get out on the snowmobile and feed horses and they come running through the snow, just galloping, throwing up sprays of snow, and, and looking forward to our grandchildren being out here with us, and we'll have all kinds of fun. But I want to talk about the decorations for a bit. When we have decorations up for Christmas, there's a clear indicator of what's happening. I mean, the Christmas decorations are like no other, and we have them all safely preserved. They're in boxes or bins or whatever, and all those kinds of things. But let me let me tell you about some other decorations that I saw one time. Years ago, Gracie was invited to sing for an event with President George W. Bush. And we it was a, it was an event in Nashville. And we got there and we we met the president and so forth. It was very, you know, I mean you can imagine it's it's kind of a big deal when you meet a sitting US president. And then we went into the big ballroom. They ushered us there into the ballroom where Gracie was going to sing. And she's standing at the podium. And the podium has the seal of the President of the United States on it. There's a notebook with the seal of the President of the United States. And it's right there in front where his notes are because I saw it. And when and she did a, kind of a rehearsal sound check or whatever. But it's all there. The, the backdrop, everything that communicated that the President was there. And for that time, for that night, for that day, that particular ballroom at that hotel was the seat of power 
for the executive branch of the United States of America because the president was there. You could just feel it. It was just electric in the air. A week later, I had an opportunity to go back for a meeting at that same facility, that same hotel. And for whatever reason, I was kind of curious or whatever, and I just went down to that same ballroom where Gracie had performed just a week prior. We stood there with the President of the United States, and the ballroom was empty. There was nothing there to communicate that at one point that ballroom was one of the most important places in the country because the president was there, in the world, because the president was there. It was completely empty. There was not one trapping of office. For the United States of America, the seat of power is wherever the president is. In a like manner, when Queen Elizabeth, for example, now King Charles, was at Balmoral Castle or at Buckingham Palace, a certain flag was raised to let you know that the king was there, the queen was there, The raised flag communicated to all who saw it that the monarch was in residence. The monarch was physically there. Our Christmas decorations kind of reflect that in a way. Because the whole point of Christmas is to recognize the seat of power for the kingdom of God is wherever Christ is. Once a year we celebrate that he came to earth put on flesh, and became like us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. We talked about this on the last program, God with us. Wherever he is, there is the seat of power. The flag is raised. The king is in residence. Now, the difference between God and any other monarch or ruler elected official, once he establishes his residence, he doesn't leave. When I went back to the Vanderbilt Plaza there in Nashville and I looked at that ballroom, there was nothing in that empty ballroom. Even the chairs and the tables were stacked away. It was an empty room. There was nothing there to communicate in any way the authority of the United States of America. There was nothing there to communicate the office of the president. There was nothing there. It was an empty room. When Gracie performed at Madison Square Gardens for the president, there was a second time. That room was filled with all kinds of things. I mean, there was a massive audience, and we were on stage with the president. It was massive. But if you go to Madison Square Gardens on any day of the week, it's just an empty hall. It's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of memories there that I'm sure people have, but there's nothing there. I mean, the president's not there. Frank Sinatra, who once played there, he's not there. Nothing is there. It's just an empty facility. And when you're around a lot of the pomp that you get to see and all the stage stuff and the flags and all those kinds of things, it's great. But look at what Isaiah saw in chapter 6. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The angels cried, holy. It was so much that Isaiah said, you know, I'm undone. Woe is to me. I mean, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah was stunned. But now listen to what Paul says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. You're, in, you're filled. You're infused. In, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is in you. That same pomp 
that same power, that same seat of power is in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is in you. That is in me. And he never takes the flag down. So when we put up Christmas decorations, do those decorations reflect our theology, our doctrine that this is not just about Santa Claus. In fact, it's not about Santa Claus at all. And I understand the nostalgia, and I'm not here to have that argument. I'm just simply saying, do you understand that once the flag is raised in your life, the monarch, the king, is in residence, and it signals to everybody around that the king is in residence there. The seat of power for everything is in you. Because wherever Christ is, there is the seat of power, and his spirit resides in you. Emmanuel, God with us. And he doesn't take the flag down. He bought you at a great price, Paul said. You were bought at a great price. And he's not taking the flag down. So you can leave your Christmas decorations up all year long. Because guess what? The king is in residence in you. What started in a stable became so much more. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. And this is why I have hope as a caregiver. Because as I serve as a caregiver, and all the functions go on, the flag's up. The king is in residence. I'm not an empty hotel ballroom. The flag's up. He's not taking it down. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. Do you know over the last two years, southwest Louisiana has faced multiple storms, including Hurricanes Laura, Delta, and Zeta. 8 Days of Hope sent our rapid response teams to help in these areas after Hurricane Laura hit Lake Charles and again after the flooding in 2021. Well, today we're excited to announce that our 18th rebuilding trip will take place in Lake Charles from December 3rd through December 10th. Thousands of volunteers will gather from around the country to love and serve this community by helping them repair their homes that were affected by these disasters. We're going to focus on roofing and drywall, painting, electrical work, flooring, and so much more. We can't wait to see what God is going to do. So there's a couple ways you can help with this mission. First, pray. Pray that God will speak through our actions to each family and make himself known. Second, consider volunteering. It's free, and we provide the food and the lodging. Hey, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, read the FAQs, and you can volunteer right there. Again, that's 8daysofhope.com. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, does the fossil record prove evolution? Not at all, Chris. In fact, it couldn't prove evolution because evolution didn't happen. I don't even think it supports evolution very well. What we see in the fossil record are the same kinds of plants and animals which are alive today. They can be put in the various categories such as clams or snails or brachiopods. Some animals, like the dinosaurs, have gone extinct, but none of the fossils seem to point to one type of animal evolving or changing into another type. That's because evolution simply didn't happen. What did happen is creation. Creation of the basic types of plants and animals that God created. They exist into the present day or else have gone extinct, but nothing else has arisen since then. And that's the way it is back in Genesis. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. Oh, 
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. I am Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. That is the incomparable B.J. Thomas. Speaking of incomparable, I'm joined by a friend of mine who is just a treasure, Stu Epperson, Jr. He is the owner of the Truth Network, one of the wonderful group of networks that carry my program. Stu, I am so glad to have you here with us. An honor to be with you. I love what you're doing. And I just love how the Lord is using you to touch a whole lot of people. One of those people is me. You're very kind, Stu, and I very much appreciate that. In addition to running a radio network, you also are a very, very successful author. You wrote a book called The Last Words of Jesus that was a huge book. And now you've gone back and done The First Words of Jesus, From the Cradle to the Cross. Jesus' first words were not recorded till he was 12, and yet you've woven this together into this amazing book that tells the Christmas story. Talk a little bit about that. Well, and that's about, that's when these words were picked up masterfully in the gospel of Luke, and you have Christ in the temple, and the one who came to save the lost finds himself lost from his parents, but he wasn't lost. They were. He was in the temple of all places, the place he was most at home, the place he was most comfortable, in his father's house. And so, basically, Jesus made two compelling statements that were questions. He asked a lot of questions in his life, a lot of provocative questions in his parables, in his ministry, in his preaching, in his dialogue with the disciples. And those que- those first questions are some of the most profound, and they really set the trajectory and laid down the mission of why he came. After writing my first book, Last Words of Jesus, then I wrote my second book, First Words of Jesus, and I've just, I've never been much for sequence and order and getting things in the, you know, the right sequence there. But I really felt compelled to go back to where it all started in terms of time and space for our Lord. And that was in that beautiful manger, that cradle, and how he went from the cradle to the cross and what connects the cradle to the cross to the crown, to the next great event in history, the great return of the king, which we are so looking forward to. Those words in the temple are so profound. Two basic questions in Luke chapter two, and the, the questions just connect directly to why he came and what he would do and how the next two decades of his life would unfold. I love that, that Jesus, you you said he asked provocative questions, and that is a theme that God has used in very teachable moments. Questions themselves become the teaching instrument. Uh, This happened back with Job. Uh, when God said, where were you? And so when you ask these questions, and I love the fact that that you bring that out, that Jesus says, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That's a profound moment. Uh, I love the way the, um, did you, have you been watching The Chosen? Oh, yes, yes. I haven't been uh, to the, the latest one, but it's, but it, it well, takes you right in there, you know. I love the way they, they spotlighted that scene in The Chosen. I thought they did a great job of showing Jesus exploring his father's will being in the temple there. And I thought that was, that was wonderful. Also, I want to change gears a little bit. You have great teaching of, on, on your broadcast every day. I mean, all day long, it's just pushing out the gospel. Yesterday, I happened to notice that John MacArthur was trending on Twitter, which that in itself is a remarkable thing. I mean, John MacArthur's 80 years old, roughly. It is, I guess he's about 80, right? That's about right. He's trending on Twitter. Isn't that something? And he's talking yeah. about what's going wow. on in our culture and the the decline and the the horrific things that are going on with the the sexual deviancy and all these kinds yeah. of things. Do you sense as a as somebody who has a broadcast ministry of the gospel, 
do you sense there's an urgency to better teach, better equip, that, that, like nothing before? You've been, you've grown up in this. A lot of people have no idea yes. your background that you've grown up in all this. But I, as I listen to Christian teaching now, I sense an urgency. Uh, the pace is quickening. Am I am I reading that right? No question. There's an urgency. There's urgency all throughout the scripture. There's an urgency for Mary and Joseph to get to that. Do they get that town of Bethlehem? There's an urgency for the government to shake everybody down and get their money. You know, you can't tax them if you don't count them. There's a, there's an urgency of the the first the first responders to the arrival of the newborn king, who were the least qualified, completely uneducated, never been to Bible college. They they weren't allowed to go to the temple because they were unclean because they they touched animals all the time and they kept animals on the Sabbath, which was a violation of every kind of Hebrew law. The first responders, it says in you go look at Luke chapter two, right around 16 and 17, it says they 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 went out everywhere. There's an urgency to the shepherds to spread, to herald the good news. They were the first ambassadors of Christ, telling everybody. And then it says in verse 17 in there, maybe 18, it says of chapter two of Luke, it says, everyone was in awe. <laughs> that these shepherds, these nomads, these guys that were really, you know, you don't, you, you tell your kids, here's who you don't want to grow up to be like, you know, you don't want to grow up to be a dead end shepherd who, who barely made it through, you know, grade school and is going nowhere in life. And here they are heralding that a savior is born and what they saw when their world was lit up in that, you know, just outside on the hills, that little town of Bethlehem, when they were raising Passover lambs. So there's an urgency to Jesus when he goes in the temple, Peter. He is urgent. He says, the first, his two first words were, first of all, why are you looking for me? So why are people looking for Jesus? Let me tell you, you better be urgent about finding him. Because if you don't find him, you are doomed. Without him, it's hopeless. So he says, why are you looking for me? So why do people seek Jesus? Why do the wise men seek Jesus? Why do the shepherds seek Jesus? Why was there an urgency? Why would these wise, wealthy dudes, these kings, these legends, why would they travel, you know, all over the place across crazy lands and really, you know, all kinds of landscapes, all kinds of you know, braving, all kinds of who knows what kind of conditions, wild animals and everything to follow the yonder star. There's an urgency for them to go and behold the king. And they brought all kinds of gifts. They put their money where their mouth was. They were the first Christmas shoppers. What would you give Jesus if you went shopping for him? And they were the first ones to, they really set us uh, in the motion of, we don't know, we don't know that there were three. That's just a kind of a tradition. And we don't know that those were all the gifts they gave, but those gifts in my book, I talk about how they strongly represent redemptive language in the Bible. You know, the gold of Frank Sinister he's king, he's, he's king, he's deity, he's God, and he's a savior, you know, Murr. So there's a beautiful picture, but there's an urgency for them to get there. There's an urgency for, for Joseph and Mary to get out of town because there's this evil that's coming in that, that ends up having all kinds of bloodshed and all kinds of mourning and weeping. We don't think of Christmas time as a time of bloodshed and evil and mourning, but think about how hard it is. This is a hard time of year, Peter. People are going to call your show in tears. People are going to email you. This is when they lost grandma. This is when they lost their spouse. And Christmas is really, really hard. And then there's an urgency for Jesus to go. They go to, the, they go to Jerusalem, the holy city, for his bar mitzvah, his coming out, he's 12 years old. He's finally of age, and he doesn't make he doesn't make any waste any time. He tie, hightails it right to his father's house, and he goes in there, and he's there with all these wise men. I would have loved to have been a fly on that wall to hear 
what he said and what they asked him and just the, the beauty of him listening, the, the, the word of God going to hear the written word of God taught in the temple and asking deep questions. And there he was there. They're looking at the word made flesh. They're looking at God incarnate and his parents, mom and dad are panicked. And they, like I said, lost the one who came to save the lost. And they're like, Hey, well, Jesus is like, Hey, why are you seeking me? So why do people seek him? Then he says this great statement of urgency again, back to urgency. What should compel all of us? He says, I must be about my father's business. I am on mission. I am called by another father. Joseph, thanks for being the stepdad here. But I have, a, I have the bloodline of the, of, the, of the father God, who's the first member of the Trinity. I'm the second member of the Trinity. And I'm called to be about his business. And that's exactly what he came to do. John 17, 4, Jesus said, what? I finished the work that you have sent me to do. His final words on the cross, John 1930, famous words, tetelestai, one word in the Greek, three words in the English, it is finished. So he came on mission, he came on purpose, and he says in John 20, 21, Peter, he says to all of us that, that follow him, he says, as the Father sent me on mission to save you, so I send you. So he is calling us to go, not to hold this good news to ourselves, not to hoard it, not to hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. So as long as the, there's breath coursing through my lungs and blood flowing through my veins, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to use any way possible. Your program is amazing. You're meeting people in, the, in, the, in some of their deepest pain. This caregiving is remarkable. You know, carrying your program, carrying, like you mentioned, you know, Dr. MacArthur, Dr. Jeremiah, you know, these great Bible teachers who are giving the truth unapologetically who may get thrown in jail at the rate that our country's going and they're turning anyone that speaks the truth in love about anything is, you know, become a hate crime. So yes, long answer to your short question. There's an urgency that God has put in me. And I really hope that, that it will spread and that I will be a super spreader of this blessed news of Christ. Because let me tell you something, when the King returns a second time, yeah, he came that first time as a precious little baby a little child in a manger, a little child, infant child, meek and mild, a cuddly little baby. But he's coming again as, a, as an almighty God, as a king on his white steed, Revelations chapter 1, verse 7, with, a, with fire in his eyes and the word of God, the sword of the word of God in his hand. And he will come to bring about judgment upon the nations. And by then, my friends, if you're listening to my voice right now, it will be way too late. So do not miss the second coming when you celebrate the first coming, because that's the whole point. It's a setup to bring us from that cradle to that cross, to that crown, to that coming, which will be any moment. He'll split those clouds open and we will see him and we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Well said, Stu. Well said. I thank you for just that great Christmas message. Thank you for being a part of this program. Thank you for carrying this program and, and helping get this word out to folks who are struggling. This season is a great season. And I, I know that you guys are excited. You've got a grandbaby that's going to make Christmas very, very exciting this year. I would imagine it's going to be a little louder at the Epperson house. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, sir. But Thank you. It's, yes, it sir. is an exciting time, and I am very grateful for you. Merry Christmas to you, Stu. 
Merry Christmas. Thank you for all you're doing, brother. Thanks for your friendship and for being just a part of this great, we're in this great adventure. We have the opportunity to invite people to, 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 to follow this, the King. Isn't that amazing? It is indeed. The first words of Jesus from the cradle to the cross, Stu Epperson Jr. Go out and get the book today and Stu, Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas, brother. God bless you. Merry Christmas to Gracie and your whole family. Yes, sir. Thank you you very much. Bye-bye. The first words of Jesus from the cradle to the cross. It makes a great stocking stuffer. Hey, this is Peter Rosen. By the way, speaking of stocking stuffers, you know, we recycle prosthetic legs. You can go to standingwithhope.com slash recycle. That was a great segue. You know that was a great segue, and you're laughing about it right now. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll be right back. Isaiah says we shall beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall we study war anymore. And I believe that day is definitely coming, that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, will bring us prosperity, harmony, but that's not the world we live in yet. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White. Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Find the podcast at AFR.net. Steve Russo with Real Answers. Eight-year-old Danny explained God for a third-grade homework assignment. Here's what he wrote. One of God's main jobs is making people. He makes them to replace the ones that die, so there'll be enough people to take care of things on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. That way, he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them to talk and walk. He can just leave that to mothers and fathers. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. An awful lot of this goes on, since people like preachers pray at times besides bedtime. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or TV because of this. Because he hears everything, there must be a terrible lot of noise in his ears, unless he's thought of a way to turn it off. You know, I wonder if any of us could have done as well. For real answers to real issues, log on to Steve's website, www.realanswers.com. And that's when love was born For the broken tone Life began again That first Christmas morn That's when love was born. That's when love was born. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. That is a wonderful Christmas song performed by my friend Hank Martin and written by another friend of mine, Archie Jordan. And I love that song. I always tell Hank he sounds like B.J. Thomas, doesn't he? Merry Christmas to you. I always love this time of year. And Gracie is here with me, my wife, now of 30, almost 37 years. 
And I was talking to producer Pat, our esteemed producer of this show, and I said, Pat, what would you like to hear Gracie talk about? And Pat said she'd like to hear Gracie talk about things she's learned through this arduous journey. And that sounds like a a weird message for Christmas, but it's not, because I think this is the time of year when we're so reflective on so many things, and you can't help but kind of look back on the previous year, on your life, on you see a lot of things that remind you of days gone by. And when we do those things, sometimes we can go into some dark places and get very despairing. But also there are other times if we allow ourselves, we can see the hand of God and his provision for us through those very painful places. So Gracie, that's what Pat wanted to hear today. She would like for you to address those issues. Do you feel up to that? No, I never feel up to answering that question. People ask me that a lot, but, um, I will do it anyway for Pat. And? <laughs> There's an and. We're, um, we're waiting. Oh, it, my goodness. It's radio, Gracie. You I have know, to use your voice. No, I'm thinking to myself the things I've learned. It's uncomfortable to think about that question. But at this time of year, at Christmas, um, it seems like it's even more uncomfortable to think about those things that I've I've learned because they it I've learned them through a lot of tears and a lot of heartache, um, but I've also come through them. I I love Christmas; it's my favorite thing. It's snowing outside right now. That is like my uno most favorite thing for it to snow, be flakes of snow, and cover the whole ground. Uno, as in numero uno. No. It's my uno favorite thing? Or my nu- <laughs> or my numero uno. It's the numero uno, number one? It's my numero Toto uno. Toto del mundo? Okay. So this year, number one thing is the snow. Well, it ranks up there because it makes me every time, without fail, when I see it snow and I see it covering everything with this blanket of pure white. And Isaiah... I believe the first chapter it says, though my, my sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Well, it takes a whole lot of snow to cover up <laughs> blood red, okay? And when I think, that's why I, I think of that every time it snows, because, and, and I'm glad we live in a place now that it snows a lot. Well, you grew up in Florida for Christmas and you hated it, didn't Where you? Where I was praying, God, please have mercy on me and send some snow. And usually You and your dad would, would turn on the air conditioner at full blast so you could oh, have yeah. a fire? We had, dad built the largest fireplace in Florida. <laughs> it's <laughs> masonry. I mean, this is not a fake fireplace. This is one for up in Alaska. <laughs> I loved that fireplace. Seriously. <laughs> I'll never forget. You told me that when I first met you. That you turn on the air conditioner at full blast so you can have a fire. Oh, well, yeah. We get it down in the 50s, man, so that we can have we can have that feeling of being cold and needing to have the well, fireplace. And I've had that feeling of being cold since I've known you. Yes. Because you like it cold. I like it cold. <laughs> and you love the snow. And I've, I've told this audience that you take it personally when I get up and disturb the snow on the deck or on the driveway. And our neighbor is so gracious to come up here sometimes and just plow it. And, oh. and every time you hear his skid steer, you, you just, you're cringing and crying out, no, out. 
freak out. I'm like, Peter, don't let him take all of the snow because me and a skid steer will wipe it out to the dirt. And I'm like, wait a minute, that was what we're looking, you know, hey, it's snowing to try to cover that up, <laughs> the the dirt, you know. Again, because the, the dirt reminds me of sin. I want it covered up fast. <laughs> I, I appreciate that with you, and I've always have. You, you do love the snow. I, I've, there are times, though, when it gets a little bit out of hand when you like the cold weather because it'll be 20 degrees outside and you have a window open. If I ever turn the heat up past <laughs> 60, you are crying I'm out. I'm like, in, in, God save me from the heat. <laughs> I'm not meant for hell. <laughs> I'm not meant for hell. <laughs> well, and, and for and that, look, we are grateful that you're not going to. And I would like to say to all of your listeners, I was going to say viewers, but I, then I remembered you're not ready for television. Um, <laughs> so, you... But the pristineness of the snow is what you crave to see, and... I don't like it when people mess it up, Peter. No, you don't. But you also like to see that because, and you've told me this, that it reminds you of things that, that are not attractive, things that are ugly, things that are marred and disfigured that are covered under a blanket of beauty. Yeah, it covers it all. It covers it all. I love that. Is this something that is this something that you've learned through your journey of seeing things that you've had to walk through that were very painful and very, very difficult and very disfiguring. And you've had to see yourself in a different light. All the above. (laughs) (laughs) Can I choose all the above? You can. (laughs) You may. And, you know, like when we were in the hospital this past January, and then I ended up being there three months, um, I I took it as a great... um, offense that it would be snowing in Denver and they wouldn't they wouldn't allow me to put the bed up you know the whole bed so it's higher so I could see the snow so all I could see is just like this well you are a fall risk yeah I know but I mean I I said put the alarm thing on I don't care but I want to be able to see it instead of it just looking like a big cloud outside you know well you can see it here I want to see it and the and there are different things, you know. I Christmas, I mean, I know you want to hear wonderful things, and there are wonderful things even when your your children have left your house. But when your children move and they get married and they start to have children, it's wonderful. But it also reminds you of all the Christmases past when they were at home and with you. That's a hard thing, I think. More, I don't know. I haven't taken a survey but i think it's harder for women when children leave the house men are like all right a quieter house and we get to do anything we want for me you know that's something i don't know that will ever i will ever get past is that time when you have neither of them are at home and um you have to think okay what is christmas about when my children or grandchildren are not near, and it's just Peter and I. Well, <laughs> sorry about that. But um, <laughs> let's don't depress everybody. It's just you and, and me, but, baby. <laughs> you know, the the 
I've not, there are certain hymns that I've not really given pause for that I should have. I'm sorry. I'm a crier. I'm sorry. It irritates Peter. He's like, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> he does do that. It's true. Yes, he's a caregiver and blah, 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 blah. But he does. he's like, suck it up. All right. But this is a hymn that I really hadn't given a lot of pause for. Uh, except in the last few years, and I think now it's on my my um, most played list and my favorite list is God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And I love it where it says, Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power. Think about that. People all over the world Sing are singing this hymn, and even people who don't know Christ as their Savior, and they're singing, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. That's a, that is a strong strong statement to rest your Christmas on right there. This is why we gather on Christmas this day is because of Christ and why he came. So to answer your question, Pat, out of all the mess, all the surgeries, and we're at 84 or 5 now, Peter, they've taught me so many things that when when Peter said that was your question, it kind of overwhelmed me at first because there there's so many things you, you learn over the way. But the biggest one is that I can trust him. And that snow represents just how far I can trust him. That, he, that someday I will be completely whole. I will be completely healed. I will be pure as snow and the pristineness will come even when we don't think it will it will because he promises it will and I can trust him that in my darkest times which have been many I can trust him and that snow reminds me of how pristine I look to him, which seems like an impossibility that I would look pristine to anyone. But I know from his word and, and from a relationship with him that I can trust him with all the things I don't understand and all the pain that I need out of. I can trust him even when it doesn't instantly go away. I can know that it, it there is a time when it will. Mm. Thank you, baby. This is Peter Rosenberger talking with my wife, Gracie. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me, but over time, my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, We've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies. And with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison, we also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit StandingWithHope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's StandingWithHope.com. I'm Gracie, and I am Standing With Hope. Hi, I'm John Sorensen, president of Evangelism Explosion, and this is Share Life Today on American Family Radio. Every testimony is important, but for some of us, we came to have a relationship with Christ later in life. We have a clear before and after story when Jesus came into our heart. But did you know this is not the only testimony that God uses? If you grew up knowing Jesus from a very young age, your story matters too. Your testimony is filled with power because you have a lifetime of stories to share about the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus. For instance, Audrey recently wrote that she asked Jesus to come into her heart at a very young age, and that brought her comfort, joy, hope, and peace. As she grew, her heart strayed from her roots in Christ, but she found that same peace and contentment again after receiving assurance of her salvation as an adult. She shared that true peace can only be found in placing your trust in Jesus alone. Learn more about how you can share your story too at sharelife.today. It's not a day that goes by that I don't see you. You live on in all the better parts of me. Until I'm standing with you in the sun, I'll fight this fight and the race I'll run. Until I finally see what you can see. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. That is my wife, Gracie, and she did a special cover of that song that I'm sure many of you all know very well, and she sang that in honor of her mother, uh, who she lost last year, and I just love listening to her sing. I've heard her voice for a lifetime, and I get to hear it every day. And there are times when I hear her singing and that's how she gets through some of the hard times as she just sings. And then the other times she's just singing because like I'm listening to my absolute favorite song while we're driving in the car and then Gracie overpowers it. Well, I can't say anything because she actually sounds not only as good as most of the artists, but better. And it's so I'm, I'm torn because I have this beautiful voice of this angel next to me. And then 
I still wanted to hear the song. Yeah, you're digging yourself in <laughs> real <laughs> deep over here. <laughs> but uh, I love that voice. Uh, Gracie, you love Christmas music. This is that. Uh, I love this, Christmas. This is the most wonderful time of the year for you. And, and you love the music of Christmas. I love to hear you sing. You've, uh, I love what you do with Mary Did You Know. One of my favorite songs that you've sung over the years, you introduced me to this song, was Emmanuel. Okay, how can you not know that song? Well, you were just a heathen. I wasn't a heathen. I just it didn't sounds know. like I, it. I, I, I you knew don't all, know wait, wait, wait a minute. Which one of us, if we had to take a test, which oh, one no, of us no. know more of the hymns? Okay, no. I know the hymns. I just didn't tell you the titles. You could hum the hymns. You could la-la-la the hymns, but you can't tell me the lyrics of the hymns. It's true. I've had a lot of head trauma. <laughs> and <laughs> I've had a lot of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> So, well, okay, but I was not a heathen. I just knew a different set yeah, of uh, yeah, church yeah. music than you did. I don't know. I'm, I uh, well, have I, that yeah. confirmed from your parents. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this: sing that song for me. Sing Emmanuel for me. I love that. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. His name is. Called Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us. His name, his name is called Emmanuel. This is wonderful. I love listening to you sing. It's um, one time. Oh, I got to tell you all this. One time we were doing a Christmas event concert or something. I don't remember what it was. May, this, I might remember if you give me a clue. Uh, well, I'm getting ready to. If okay. You, if you'll wait for it. Yeah, but see, there's two of us on the radio now. Well, yes, <laughs> a, a fact of which I am not unfamiliar. I uh, We were up there somewhere. I don't know where we were. but Oh, yeah, we, do. we were out in, outside of Nashville. And Gracie's up there, and we're doing the song. And then all of a sudden, she looks at me, and she said, and she just had her kind of her hand over her heart, and she was her eyes were closed, <laughs> and, and she said, "Would you finish this song for me, Peter?" <laughs> and I thought, well, Gracie's obviously feeling something very powerful in her heart or spirit, and oh, she I was said, and she somehow. and she wanted me to sing it, and I don't sing, and I struggled through it, got through it, we finished it, and and then she came back in, and we, you know, did her thing, and. You know, later that night we're driving home, and and I said, "What was that all about?" You know, were you just overcome by the song? She said, "Oh no, I forgot the lyrics." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Thank you, you know, for sharing that with millions." Of, okay. Well, I appreciate the fact you think I have millions that listen to me, Gracie. Hey. Of course, I've always said when my parents listen, my audience doubles. It's, <laughs> Mom and Dad are always very gracious to listen to. They listen to me every Saturday morning, and I'm very grateful for that. Gracie, Peter. I have um, enjoyed this time, <laughs> mostly. Oh, it's, Pat, you know he lies so poorly. That's, uh, enjoy is a strong word. <laughs> exactly. So, but it's uh, endured. I think that was the word. <laughs> endured this Endured. Time. No, How I about- have yourself a merry little Christmas. Well, you know what? By the way, you're going to love what I got you for Christmas this year. 
better be good. It, it's great. <laughs> it's actually the, the ribbon only cost me about $4 and 95 cents is a big ribbon. I'm just wearing it on me. Oh, good grief. I'm just wearing it on me. And uh, I'm going to light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a great time. We're looking forward to um, seeing our, our grandchildren. grandchildren are going to be with us. We wanted to end with this. Um, I've done this pretty much every Christmas Eve for some time. And we wanted to end with this song of Gracie and I performing Silent Night. I love uh, her voice on this. I love being able to play this for her. I love being able to spend time with you all. I know that Christmas for some is not a very easy time. I know that some of you may be in the hospital. Some of your loved ones may be in a nursing home, a rehab center. And some of you may have an empty chair. And we recognize that. We know that it's very, very painful. We've been and, in the hospital many, many, many Christmases. And I wanted to have somebody who has walked through enough credible pain in her life, who has found God to be faithful still, deeper than that, to share with you just her life, her joys, her sorrows, her tears, her laughter, her music, as a testament to God's faithfulness in these very difficult times that so many of us face. And we ask that you hang on to that. Take a leap of faith and trust Him. And don't just take our word for it. Go see what His word has to say. Study what He has to say about it. If you look through Scripture, you see so many instances of people who are going through brutal realities and yet their faith was strong and i when i listen to gracie sing i cannot help but think about paul and silas they were in prison around midnight beaten they were in pain it was dark they were they were cut off i live with somebody who has been in so much pain and still is and even at midnight will sing herself to sleep or sing to comfort her own heart She's never been out of pain since Reagan's first term. And she has found God to be faithful in that as well. So that's my Christmas present to you all. It's just for you to hear one of the finest voices and one of the finest hearts that I've ever known, and that is my wife, Gracie. Again, I thank you for this time with you, and we hope that you have a wonderful Christmas. So from Gracie and me, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.